Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. doing daniel ruiz tyson is available for monday the 21st of february 2022 with me daniel ruiz tyson episode 374 hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going it's 14:56 hours it's another sunday record got another busy monday so the sunday shows that well the sunday records you won't get the show until the monday the sunday records are probably going to become a more common i think in the coming weeks it's uh, another cold wet well damp anyway day in south london i'm guessing it's pretty much like this up and down the country more thames water early morning drilling they were done by about uh 100 hours this morning why can they not start later why do they need to start so early so it's quite awkward getting to the flat at the moment in terms of buses. Pretty much every bus stop around here is closed owing to the extensive road work. So certainly I'm having to... There is one bus stop I can use. Why am I talking about bus stops? This isn't even in my notes. If I get off a stop earlier, that bus stop is open. I may as well complete the bus stop anecdote now that I've committed to it. The bus stop right outside the building, that's closed. The bus stop after the building... That's open, but then the one after that is closed. And last week I made the mistake. I'm trying to scout this location on this road, which I'd quite like to use for an exterior shot. But I think, I'm trying to remember when I saw it. It might have been that I saw it at night time. The lights were on, hence I was able to see this wonderful glimpse of uh, a typical London overpriced shocking way to live flat and I suspect that I got a good look at it because I was coming back from the library on the local high street and it was uh, dark and the lights were on and you know because people don't use net curtains nowadays you can see everything because I've not been able to see this uh, flat again when I've done these daytime recce's so anyway I stayed on I thought I'll stay on for an extra two stops so I can walk back to my building and see if I can see this flat But uh, lo and behold, that bus stop was also closed. The bus driver, though, he made an attempt to let me out. I was about to get out. I did a quick glance to my left and saw a cyclist coming, so I waited. So the bus driver probably wasn't a wise move on his part to try and let me off there. But then he tried to close the doors on me, and I thought, well, no, he's opened the doors. The the cyclist has gone past. I'm getting off here. I'm not going to, you know, get off about 15 minutes from where I actually live. 15 minutes, exaggeration. I I think this is an underwhelming opening to the show anyway. So it's another Sunday record. It's another cold morning. I'm glad that uh, I've got no new interview set up for uh, the football show, which, as I said last week, I'm, I'm winding down because there's no telling how long this Thames Water stuff is gonna go on for Friday. What can you say about Friday? I was, I didn't think this was going to affect London. I 
confused. I'm, I'm so confused by the different names now given to these storms. I thought Dudley, I thought it was the same storm, but apparently Eunice was a different one. And I was out early on Friday morning and, and by about uh, 1,100 hours, that wind was picking up. When I actually left the cafe on Friday, there's the voice going, I was trying to walk to the bus stop. I had a travel card on Friday and I was trying to walk to the bus stop and it was... I was leaning into the wind. It was not something I've experienced too often in my life. A neighbour had emailed while uh, had emailed all the residents while I was in the cafe that tiles were scattering down from the front of the building. So that's another potential problem because of the leak at the back. You know, the 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 roof has had scaffold on uh, scaffolding on it twice now in about three years. And not once have they actually replaced the tiles. So now, because of their tightness, because of the housing association uh, who part own this flat and own, I think, the building as a whole, because they've not done their job properly, we now have a bigger job on our hands because they're already talking about putting up more scaffolding to address the leak, which they finally admitted to at the back of the flat, which, you know, that room now, just just with the rain the last week, as I, I think I mentioned it on last week's show, the ceiling, the stains on it are back. It's clearly leaking again. And I'm just trying to deal with this calmly because this has been something that's blighted my adult life and particularly you know, growing up at Mayflat and particularly in this flat. It's it's uh, it's just something that really unsettles me and I don't like being in that room and it's a bit of a junk room now and I've got all my books in there and I try to bring my books into the front room as, as many as I can. When I first moved to this flat, I used to work in that room. It was a proper study and it's just sad to see what it's become. So now, because they've not done their job properly, they're now going to have to... I contacted them on... Friday, I cc'd all the people that needed to be cc'd on that email and basically said, look, there's nothing that you could have done about today. That, that's just, this is a freakish event. But the reason we've got these tiles raining down on the front lawn is because the roof is in a real state and you've failed to take the opportunities that you've had to address this. And so now we are looking at a bigger job and a bigger costing. No one, of course, has come back to me. We'll see what happens when I came in. You know, I felt very, I wasn't eager to get back to the flat. I was bracing myself. And as I was coming back into the building and I saw the amount of tiles that had landed on the front lawn and also part of uh, a boiler flue, possibly mine. Mine certainly snapped off a bit. I try to get a good look. Not easy because the new windows, of course, don't open properly. They stick. There's so many drafts coming in through every new window. I spent Friday afternoon sealing the windows with tape. The study, because it backs onto a a railway uh, track, rail track, just say rail track, railway track, nightclub, nightclub, Uh, railway. There we go again with a railway, a rail track, rail line, maybe rail line. These attract, because it's a semi-wooded area, these attract ladybirds. Ladybirds are a pest, but they're also protected. They're also a protected species, so you can't do anything about them. But once they get into the flat, I'm telling you, it is like... They they come into the flat, they're just coming through like the end of uh, that film Zulu. And I just... I don't mess around. I do not mess around with the ladybirds. 
It's absolute carnage on Friday, and I had to seal the windows. It's been a problem there at the back of the flat ever since I, uh, I, I moved here. I was aware of it from the start, because when ladybirds fly, they do make a bit of a racket with their wings that normal flies don't. So I, I really don't like ladybirds, and even the new windows, drafty and too many too many potential entry points for ladybirds. I've spent the winter sealing up that particular window, resealed it on Friday. The draft brushes all fall out, so I've had to uh, seal the draft brushes on every window that I've been able to access in the front room, the bedroom, the study. The tiles are a concern. No tiles, as far as I can see, have come off this uh, this back roof. There's nothing in the neighbours' gardens, but... Clearly now there is going to be an issue when it rains with these tiles coming off the front of the building. And it's just uh, it's just uh, another thing to worry about. I've got to find a way to accelerate my departure from this building because this building, living here and, you know, trying to live here after the end of a relationship is bad enough with all those memories associated with this place. But also the physicality of being here, the... the, the 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 state the flat is in its impact on my mental and physical health i've really got to find a way to to see if i can get out sooner than my recent victory uh, on appeal with my local borough to to move me up the housing list I, i've you know i don't think i could do another 2 3 years in this place i really don't i'm so unhappy here and it's just really impacted on my health so uh, I'm going to contact a housing advisor tomorrow and just see uh, what I can do there. It was a, a quiet week. Otherwise, last week, you know, I'll come to Wednesday night stand-up gig uh, later on. Had a decent 6K run on Monday. Actually, was it decent? I'm not sure it was, actually. I, I, maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but I saw it through. And on the Wednesday, though, I was lazy because of the weather and I just did uh, a lapse. That was pointless. I didn't realise that there was a storm coming on Friday because I was actually going to run on Friday. And once I read about the storm, I checked with Mickey Ball. It was the right thing to do to check with the Santorini toilet bin veteran as to whether it was safe to run, and he advised to give it a miss, so I just had to work out indoors. But it's meant that uh, last week was the worst week running stats-wise that that I've had in some time. So tomorrow's run, I'll be prioritising that. Well, I'll be prioritising a a good run anyway. A future as a boxing pundit might actually... Be there for Mickey, who called the uh, Brook Khan fight right. I was one of those who just couldn't see how Brook could win. I think both fighters are, are shot. The fight, as everybody was saying, has happened about five, six years too late. But I, I think Brook had uh, incurred more damage in the ring. But I always did feel he was the better boxer. But I just felt he was shot. And I thought Khan would stop him at some point. But uh, right from the beginning, Khan looked dreadful clearly too many miles on the clock and uh, Mickey had predicted a stoppage between rounds five and seven so uh, he called that one right it was a it was a decent fight but very unusual to see two domestic fighters having a dust up so many years after their respective 
uh, peaks. I hope it looks like Khan's going to retire. I do hope that Brook retires as well because worryingly he said words to to, to to this effect at the end of the fight that clearly uh, you know he's he said he's uh, I'm back baby I think is what he said I'm not sure that you are and I think if he goes up against uh, Eubank and certainly Connor Ben uh, he'll come a, a cropper in that and you don't want to see that with these uh, these fighters sorry about that I'm just swatting a fly which is uh, throwing me all right, let's try to ignore the fly. It's only a little fly. Let's try to ignore the little fly and just get on with the show. Been doing a lot of uh, reading this week. Uh, several books on the go. Finished uh, one of them, Alex Pryor, a Sherlock Holmes pastiche book, self-published. Deserved, I think, to be published by a, a, a publisher rather than this guy having to do it himself because it was quite faithful to the Conan Doyle books. It's The Lost Case Files of Sherlock Holmes blurb for this the game is afoot again a brand new anthology of Sherlock Holmes stories beautifully written in the style of the originals with meticulous attention to period detail and fiendish plotting Holmes and Watson are at the height of their powers and in thrilling action from the corridors of the British Museum to the deck of a battleship that particular one which was a two-parter that was my favorite of the various uh, short stories uh, that one was called The Curse of the Purses, Mate. Uh, and rounding off the blurb, and they go on to New York for the horrors of the burning men. If you are a fan of the original Conan Doyle stories, then this book that seamlessly mixes authentic short and extended feature-length stories is for you. This is the Holmes and Watson you know and love. Absolutely. It was really, really good. I mean, I don't mind the ridiculous pastiches, the ones that feature supernatural stories. I, I've got time for all of it, but this one was very faithful to uh, Conan Doyle, and I did enjoy it. Also reading Jan Bodson, Rivals of the Ripper, Unsolved Murders of Women in Late Victorian London. My sister got me this when she was over here for Christmas. When discussing unsolved murders of women in Late Victorian London, most people think of the depredations of uh, Jack the Ripper, the Whitechapel murderer. Yeah, I don't like going by the name of Jack the Ripper. For me, when people write or talk about Jack the Ripper, they don't know about the Whitechapel murders. It's uh, not a moniker that I like. But he was just one of a string of phantom murderers whose unsolved slayings outraged late Victorian Britain. The mysterious Great Coram Street, Burton Crescent and Euston Square murders were talked about with bated breath and the northern part of Bloomsbury got the unflattering nickname of the murder neighbourhood thanks to its profusion of unsolved mysteries. Gonna have to pause there. Oh, that was a hard swallow, 15, 13 hours. Marvel at the convoluted Kingswood mystery littered with fake names and mistaken identities. Be puzzled by the blackmail and secret marriage and the Cannon Street murder and shudder at the vicious yet silent killing in St. Giles that took place in a crowded house in the dead of night. Rivals of the Ripper is the first to resurrect these unsolved Victorian murder mysteries and to highlight the ghoulish handiwork of the Rivals of the Ripper, the spectral killers of Gaslit. London. That's just my backup book. I'm just reading that uh, as and when in the evenings. I've also started just yesterday. I've had this book. I bought it a couple of years ago. I am someone who will buy something and not get round to using it for a long time. And because I've got this obsession with library books, which just deepened during the pandemic, I tend to prioritize library books over my own books. But uh, this is the third of a quartet of books by Ray Celestine. This is The Mobster's Lament. 
Uh, the first two books were very good. I'm enjoying this one already. Uh, from the best-selling author of The Axeman's Jazz, Ray Celestine's grip in third book, The Mobster's Lament follows a gangster's last chance to escape the clutches of New York's mafia families. But as a blizzard descends on NYC, a ruthless serial killer is tracking his every move. New York, 1947. Mob fixer Gabriel Levison's plans to flee the city are put on hold when he is tasked with tracking down stolen mob money by the boss of all bosses, Frank Costello. But while he's busy looking, he doesn't notice who's watching him. This is actually, uh, reminds me of um, a modern day English piece of fiction, Kempy. You might be reading it on Twitter. And if you're not, maybe hashtag Kempy. Uh, London mobsters or wannabe gangsters. Meanwhile, private investigator Ida Young and her old partner Michael Talbot must prove the innocence of Talbot's son Tom, who has been accused of the brutal murders of four people in the Harlem Flophouse. With all the evidence pointing towards him, their only chance of exoneration is to find the killer themselves. Whilst across town, Ida's childhood friend Louis Armstrong is on the brink of bankruptcy when a promoter approaches him with a strange offer to reignite his career. Both a gripping neo-noir crime novel and a vivid panoramic portrait of New York, the mobster's lament takes you to the heart of a city where the mob has risen to the height of its powers. There's my voice going. You know, every evening, I actually, I only got back to it yesterday, but I'll be doing it later on tonight because I think it's going to be key to me trying to succeed this time around on the stand-up circuit. I run through my stand-up set and the voice keeps uh, going and it's happening again during this. Uh, just uh, an observation this morning that... Uh, I'm aware that when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do when I walk into the kitchen is I glance right to check there's nothing in a mousetrap there. And I think this is going to be a muscle memory. Even when I'm out of this flat, I suspect that I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life because I've been in this flat now for such a while and it's been hundreds and hundreds of days where I get up in the morning and the first thing I do is glance to the right to check the, this particular mousetrap. And I try to hide them from view now for my own sake, not just for the sake of guests on the rare occasion I do have visitors, but just for my own sake, because it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not great. Uh, you know, I played a few Star Wars football seasons with one mousetrap evident. I've hidden that away now. I've hidden a couple in the kitchen. Well, one I haven't. And yeah, I, I just think that even towards the end of my life, assuming there's a bit more to go, I'm not taking that for granted, but I, I think I'm still going to be glancing to the right first thing in the mornings, just because this glance to the right now is so established. Something I'm also trying to stop doing, I had to get my new, uh, some of my old glasses tightened last week, and I was advised, uh, as my sister had told me at Christmas, and that I had stopped doing, because I don't wear varifocals, because I'm constantly having to swap glasses, I got a, you know, I started doing that thing where you perch glasses on top of your head, but that's how you stretch the arms. That's how the glasses loosen. So I've stopped doing that. So that's good. But what I didn't realize is that you're also stretching the arms if you're in the habit of removing your glasses just by one arm, you know, one-handed removal. And I was told that at Specsavers last week. And ever since they told me, I've been aware of it, but I still keep doing it. So that's a habit that I need to break.
suddenly leads a 2-2. They were 2-0 down there, 2-2 now against uh, United. Anyway, you're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available, episode 374. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. There's the new Facebook page for my comedy gigs. That's facebook.com forward slash DRT comedy. All my work can be found on my website, danielruistizen.com. There is, of course, the Patreon page that keeps this show alive. It's the only thing that keeps this show alive, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Not too many of you now supporting the show, but uh, I do appreciate uh, the few of you that are left, and that is why I continue to do this show. So thank you. Uh, for your for your time and your your support you can also of course support the work via one-off donations via the paypal and uh, ko-fi.com links ko-fi I, i've forgotten how to pronounce it now I, I gave you the correct pronunciation last week didn't i again to those of you who can't support via patreon but have made one-off donations in, in, in the past uh, again thank you for that that's all appreciated links to paypal and ko-fi are on my website do of course please rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen to been a good while since there was another review coming up to 400 shows just 66 reviews you can't grow a show like that there's the moaning out the way this week stand-up gigs this week in london uh, before I come to my return a few nights ago, uh, I'm doing spots this week, tomorrow night, Monday, the 21st of February, or t- t- tonight when you're listening to this, or as you may be listening to this. Most of the downloads, most of the 40 plus downloads a week tend to be on the first day. So uh, let's assume you're listening to this on, on the Monday. I'm at Lollipops in Kilburn. I need to work out how to get to Kilburn. Haven't been there for about 20 years. We'll be having to bus it there owing to uh, financial restraints. It starts at 7pm. It's at the Carlton Tavern, 33 Carlton Vale. That's uh, Kilburn NW6. Do I need to read it out? The full address is just find the information at danielruistizen.com forward slash gigs or on the Facebook page, DRT Comedy. I'll, of course, be posting links on social media as well. So that's uh, Monday night. On Wednesday, I'm in Shepherd's Bush again. In fact, I don't think I've been to Shepherd's Bush. Well, I know I haven't been to Shepherd's Bush since 2012, and I've only been to Shepherd's Bush twice, I think, since 1996. That's 96, summer of 96, was with uh, Lopez when we went to a Tears for Fears concert and he got the time wrong and uh, we came out of the station. I could hear Tears for Fears blaring out. I thought, that's weird. That's a Tears for Fears song. Are you sure the concert doesn't start till late? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We'd missed about an hour by the time we got there. So Wednesday night, 23rd of February, Heavenly Comedy starts at 8pm. That's at the Princess Victoria on Uxbridge Road in Shepherd's Bush. Again, uh, visit the website for that. And next Sunday, so I'm going to have to work out when I'm when I'm recording next week. I think I might have, uh, I don't think I've got a gig on the 28th of February, so it should be okay for a Monday record then. Next Sunday, 27th of February, I'm at Healing Comedy Club. That starts at 5.30pm. And this is in Ealing. And I don't even know if I've ever been to Ealing. I really don't know if I've been to Ealing. So uh, it's not easy to find gigs nearby. And that one, the Healing Comedy, that starts at 5.30pm. That's at Open Arts Centre, Dickens Yard. Again, danielruistizen.com forward slash gigs or facebook.com forward slash DRT Comedy. Wednesday, I made my... uh, well, I won't say long-awaited return because I don't think anyone was waiting for it. It's something that I uh, kept meaning to do and kept putting off. And uh, yeah, late-night gig at the Cavendish. Nice evening overall. 
Mickey, uh, Mickey came along with me for support. Nice to see him. First time I've seen him this year. And it was just nice to be out. I think the fact that I was performing just added to, to the evening for me. But um, it's interesting, as I've told you, the, the, the meds I'm taking really do shut down any anxiety. But clearly not being a natural performer on, on the day of a, any live performance, I'm never great. And by Wednesday afternoon, I was really feeling it. My, my body was starting to break down on me a bit. I knew what was happening, so I dealt with it calmly. By the time I got to the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell, I was much calmer. And, I, you know, Mickey was, uh, was a great support. I was just um, a bit scatty beforehand. I was probably, you know, just trying to stay on top of my nerves. I forgot my drink when I went into the venue, uh, the actual theatre place, and... Uh, there were people heading out all the time to grab another drink. I, I just felt I didn't want to miss any of the acts. And plus, we were sat in a very awkward spot. We were sat right in the middle, and it wouldn't have been easy to get back to to my seat. But they still do, at the Cavendish, the format is still random. So you don't know when you're going to perform. The host, who was a very affable guy, uh, very funny, great smile on him. He told me he'd put me on at the middle because I hadn't gigged for a while, but it was more towards the end, actually. So it was a real case of staying calm. I knew my sets. I'd done my set, you know, two hours a day for like two, three weeks. So it was going to come down to nerves. But I was so parched. And the one thing, well, there's two things I learned on Wednesday night is I've got to have a drink with me at my seat and just, you know, keep sipping prior to going up on stage because my throat was so dry. And secondly, um, it's a small stage. Oh, there we go. Sound of South London. And these guys go past. I think we've had a couple of shows recently that haven't been ruined by these guys. I wonder if they just turn this on now. Maybe they're among the uh, 40 or so listeners to this show weekly. There's the voice really going there. Now I'm sounding like Adam Smith, the uh, Sky's very hyper boxing commentator. Okay, so... What I noticed on Wednesday night that I thought, oh, this is this is okay actually for because I thought it was going to be a tricky gig as a, as an opening gig for me. The stage looked really small, but when I got up there, suddenly the stage felt very big, and I didn't know what to do with my arms. I didn't know how to look at the audience. So these things, I know that once I've done say another ten of these, it'll be very different. You learn very quickly. And Mickey had some. Uh, good advice for me which was to you know just slow down a bit and the reason I was afraid of slowing down is because I'm always worried about forgetting I don't think I was too hurried but I I take the point it's a valid point I've got to be confident that I know my material and slow down but I'm just so forgetful I I do worry about that Uh, but I enjoyed it it was good to get it out of the way got chatting to one guy afterwards there was a guy who must have been a ringer at the end I think he was just a headline act or maybe looking for some stage time physically he looked really odd he's a kind of guy you'd have to see regularly as I was saying to Mickey to get used to his face very simian like but very very funny very charismatic and I still not been able to find out his name. The kind of guy you'd think I wouldn't mind working with that guy if he did a bit of acting. He just uh, he just blew everyone away, and that's experience. I mean, he wasn't new. That's that's for sure. Um, enjoyable. I enjoyed the night. I enjoyed the challenge, and I enjoyed spending the evening with Mickey. And yeah, it was good. I, I, again, that whole thing where I couldn't get to sleep afterwards. I was awake till about five, and then. 
Thursday morning, I think I had an early start. You know, it was good because it was a difficult week last week. You know, a couple of grim anniversaries concerning my mum to, to deal with. And you, you're always, you know, Friday and Saturday. So that was on my mind a bit. It's not a great time of year for me. And if I was ever going to have a chance of forgetting, of course, I've got those uh, products in the fridge, milk, cheese and that, whose expiry dates had fallen on these grim anniversaries. So it was a real positive to get out there and get a gig under my belt. And at the moment, I'm taking on gigs for every night of the week. Uh, between you know from now until the summer because I'm aware that you know Friday night gigs Saturday night gigs are going to be very different crowds and I'm just going to need to tough this out because this could be a potential way to make some money I've probably got more chance of making money from this than I have from doing the crazy amount of work involved with when shorts were short and you know might be the natural outlet again for my work the rest of the week in and around that well since the previous week as you know I was trying to buy some jeans and uh, I'd gone to one shop where I was buying jeans for a while and they'd changed their design as I, as I told you also I hadn't appreciated the fact that with all the running I've actually gone down a size so I was probably trying on the wrong sizes anyway on Friday morning I took myself off to Victoria Street uh, bought some jeans uh, after a bit of a back and forth with a woman in there. It was very helpful, to be fair, but I was telling her, look, why why are these not given the UK sizes? You know, I don't know what my European size is, so now I know anyway. I think uh, she was a bit amused by uh, my old man rant, and I picked up some jeans for a, for a decent price. Uh, I've got to try and smarten up. I've just really, as I think even with, the, well, the pandemic has made my shabbiness worse. I don't think I've added to the wardrobe in about uh, three years. Hygiene fail of the week, 1343 hours, Monday the 14th of February, outside the Nine Elms Monster. There's a flute player there on a regular basis. Very annoying. I find the flute, it's, it's like medieval audio. It's just, I don't like it. I really don't like the flute. The recorder, which I used to play as a kid, who who didn't play the recorder as a kid? That's a you know that's obviously in the same family of instruments. But the flute, I think, is particularly offensive to me. Anyway, she got a donation, curiously, from another homeless guy. Fair play to him. He had a filthy duvet wrapped around his head. She went to kiss him on his cheek to thank him. Ended up kissing the duvet. I thought, oh, it's going to catch something there. That duvet looked absolutely filthy. The thing hard swallow there 1532 the thing about that nine elms development is that it's all relatively new now seeing homeless people there and the charity chuggers harassing everyone you didn't used to see this because there wasn't enough stuff there but now you've got a mainline northern line extension tube station which is actually a very good looking tube station although it just it only runs for two stops which i i just think is a colossal waste of money but of course you've also got so you've got all the charity chuggers and and, and you've got all these homeless people oh christ united have scored again i can't stand these guys what was i talking about okay yes so it's it's almost like a a campus a, a campus sprung up as a result of the Nine Elms Monster being built and the tube station being built. It's like Deadwood, you know, Deadwood, you know, all the gold prospectors start descending on the area. So Deadwood shoots up and becomes a proper town. And that that, that seems to be what's happening with uh, this part at Nine Elms. Let me give you my nectar points now. Right, that's taken the gloss off the show. Watching United uh, grab a third goal. Okay, uh, this is for the 17th of February. I've got some e-boy, uh, e-boy, e-bay, e-bay 
points to factor in as well. My opening balance going into the store on this was Thursday. Were, I had 209 points. Bought uh, steak and kidney pie, some yogurts, some um, blueberries. Had to pay over the odds for some utterly butterly light because uh, Lidl, which uh, stocks these faux light butters for about 69p, they haven't had any for a week. Also bought some zinc, trying to liven myself up. Everything came to one no, £6.12. And I earned six points plus 12 bonus points. I used another of those uh, treble nectar point coupons. Uh, my new points balance is 227. Let me just go. I've got my nectar page open here. 17th. It hasn't actually factored in. I don't think it's factored in my eBay points. No, there were four eBay points on the 18th of February. I know that I've got another four today. So I might be at a guess. I might be on 235. I can't be sure. I'm certainly on 231. Actually, I can't even be sure about that. Let's say 227. Hopefully next week the eBay points will be uh, factored in Star Wars football. There's not much to report there. I can't get the transfers, the close season transfers nailed down. And I think the problem with that is I want to have a competitive Rebels team and I can't really do that without taking away important players from some of the other teams. And I'm not uh, comfortable with that. Now, it is a big deal when I have teams that don't seem to be performing because I wonder why can that be? Uh, Death Star historically in the Silver Age, they've been a very difficult team to get the balance right with, although they finished strongly this season winning the Europa, not winning the Europa League, winning the Christmas Cup and reaching the Europa League final, finishing fourth in the league to qualify for the Europa League via their league position. Um, the problem with Rebels is it's been such a fall from grace because going into the Silver Age, they were the number one team in Star Wars football. There'd been that long lull after 2000 when, you know, I'd gone nowhere near Star Wars football, partly because I couldn't find my action figures after all the house moves. And Rebels, in when Star Wars football moved from five-a-side to seven-a-side, no one adapted better than them. They won their third and fourth league titles in the last seasons of the Golden Age. And they were such a brilliant team. And then in Silver Age Season 1, they were favourites for the league. Not overwhelming favourites, but favourites. And there was a game where they travelled to X-Wing, needing just a point to qualify for the semi-finals. It was the old uh, league formats, group stages, before I finally committed around Silver Age Season 3 to a proper league uh, season, a proper league programme where everyone plays everyone. They got battered 3-0 at X-Wing. They haven't been right since. The big turning point was when they had to qualify for the Champions League at the start of Silver Age Season 3. They they were in the Champions League qualifiers and lost to a literally last second goal and failed to make the Champions League that year and 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 the team is just uh, every big player that goes there doesn't seem to do well it's a real problem so I'm trying to get the balance of that team right so I look forward to playing with them but at the moment that's holding up all the transfers Tatooine and X-Wing they've done their business but the other six teams there's still uh, a few issues to sort out and I'd like to get the league started soon the Silver Age season seven because then it could climax at Christmas with uh, another Christmas cup competition and these seasons are so packed now they do tend to take about eight or nine months right let's wrap things up with the cafe I've still got to edit all this afterwards not too much to report from the cafe again I suppose the big news from the cafe last week at least for me I suspect it's a minority view is that there was no hand wash in the gents until Friday 
Um, I made it there on Monday morning, swapped my run for the afternoon. Future me was having scrambled egg on toast at not mixed table. When he, I'm, I'm getting excited about just going to the cafe, just from bringing you this news, because by sacrificing my Sunday, doing episode 374 today, giving it to you tomorrow morning, it means that I will be in the cafe Monday morning. And it's a great way to start the day. Tuesdays, my God, no cafe Tuesdays. It's such a problem for me, the Tuesdays. Anyway, uh, Future Me, he was having scrambled egg on toast at not mixed table. When Future Me got up, he spent a while at the bar talking. So I didn't want to jump on the table right away. I don't like to let people know I'm desperate for their table. Plus, pandemic etiquette is that you let Phil Collins clean the table. But there was a delay Phil Collins and or Seb Kay, neither of them came along to clean the table. And then this new young scriptwriter who I've seen in the area, in, in the cafe rather, and I know he's a scriptwriter because he also uses Final Draft on his laptop and he's writing away with big headphones on. Uh, as I used to, in the, well, not big headphones, I used to use little earphones in the days when I could multitask and listen to stuff while writing. He's still doing that. Let's call him past me. Past me arrived, he jumped on the table and I was absolutely gutted, though I did have the consolation of spreading out on a four-seater after initially having to be on a separated table. It's very busy there if you get there around 10 hundred hours. Um, so past me, he's been going there, maybe I've noticed him probably in the last month, young guy, maybe late 20s, bearded, short hair, smart coat. I think the coat's from Uniqlo and I noted the coat because I thought, well, I better not buy that coat if I ever have the money to buy that coat because I do like the coat, but uh, I'm pretty sure that coat is from Uniqlo. New, uh, not Mick. I was going to say new Mick, not Mick. Actually, it is a new Mick because new Mick looks worse than um, not Mick since he's uh, grown out his beard. He looks really stressed. Not Mick started chatting to past me when past me ordered himself a, a glass of lemon and hot water. And I, I think the reasons for past me ordering lemon and hot water became evident when he disappeared for a while in the loo. So within a month of arriving in the cafe, he's doing that. When you know it, it is great to spread out. So I was I was at this four seater, but it can put me under pressure to vacate at lunchtime when it gets busy. But anyway, I was able to observe from my uh, position just how long he was in there for. And without any hand washing the gents, what did pass me? I had to wonder, do about the hand wash situation. Did he amble over to the hand wash dispenser by the women's? Would he have known enough about the cafe set up in the loos behind the swing saloon doors, the wafting swing saloon doors to know that he would find hand wash there? I doubt it. And also, why is the women's hand wash always full? What does that tell us? Does it tell us the cafe fill it up because they know the women like to wash wash their hands even? Or is it that the women don't wash their hands, which is why the hand wash there is always full? I don't know. I've got so many questions about the hand wash. Wednesday the 16th, I had a brief moment in the cafe where I took my eye off the tall glass as I went to sip it and I found myself pouting before sipping. I had to stamp out the uh, pouting. Meantime, there was a customer in there. On Wednesday, 70-something white male with his partner, he reeked of B.O. And it always seems to be the B.O. guys. They're the ones that never remain seated. He was very busy, very excitable, kept getting up and aerating the cafe with his stale sweat. He was later conversing from his table in French with a multilingual illustrated man. 
On Thursday, I spoke with the Beard about his team Sporting's 5-0 capitulation to Manchester City in the Champions League, which was a crushing defeat for Sporting. Still, at least uh, for the Beard, it was avenged on Saturday by his English team Spurs winning late on at the Etihad on Friday. And actually, it was the Beard that had Hard Swallow 1541. It was the beer that had warned me that the storms were going to be affecting London as well. I wouldn't have known. And Friday, the cafe, because it's got those foldable doors which are not suitable for the English climate, despite our summers now being better than they were, say, 20 years ago. I have never seen the cafe battered like that. The windows on top of the retractable doors, the small windows, they were coming loose. Early Jim was sat by one end of the retractable doors. At one point, a gust just thumped the retractable doors and seriously moved his table. I think it hit him on the side as well. The doors had hit him on the side, so he got a bit uh, spooked by that. I thought as soon as another table frees itself up, I'm going to move as well because I had to keep standing up and closing the windows and I couldn't close them properly. They use uh, these long bars with a hook in the cafe to close them. But yeah, the cafe is not equipped for that kind of weather. There was a guy on a bike. I think he was in his maybe 50s or 60s. He fell off his bike. The wind knocked him off and a woman in the cafe started laughing, which I thought was poor form. But uh, I've never seen anything uh, like it. And I I thought there's every chance here we might get marooned in the cafe. I wonder how that would work. Would they give us free coffee? I thought I was on for that. Be like one of those haunted house films where a bunch of travellers get stuck for the weekend in the place. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. Apparently there's another storm on the way. Have I got that right? Have I got that wrong? You tell me. Hope you guys are keeping safe and warm. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and this start of the week I have been available. <laughs>